Welcome to Multiple Offers, a real estate show with competing perspectives. Today, we're talking about what does a notary do? Put that coffee down. If you're good at something, never do it for free. How'd you get the gig? Oh, you know, they were hiring. It was only a two-week course. I will sell this house today. What are you, some kind of real estate agent? Oh, he's a realtor. There is a difference somehow. This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. All right, guys, it is episode 61, and we have Chris Dupuy, all the way from next door, joining (laughs) us. That was quite a commute. Oh, yeah. Chris is a notary in New West. He has been a notary since 1983. He is a second-gen notary. His uh, dad was one also. I don't know how I feel about second-gen businesses. It's like a New West thing, it, eh? Is, is, yeah, you, can't, you follow in your, your parents' footsteps, it whether may, it be real estate or notarizing. Maybe, mm. yeah. And um, Although we haven't seen a ton of mortgage broker Second, Dad, third gen, second brokers. gen, third. Yeah, maybe. I don't think there were a lot of mortgage brokers in the eighties. This is true. Yeah. Um, also, little known fact: Chris's dad started Royal City Realty. Chris, when when would that have been? Nineteen seventy four. Seventy four, and I think if yeah. our audience is thinking, "What's Royal City Realty?" Later, Chris's brother took over, turned it into a Remax, and our office is actually. The evolution of of the office Chris's dad started, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. It was realty realty world, or no, no. It was it was, in, it, was it was independent. independent, just independent. It was an independent. Yeah, and then they they got yeah they franchised. Yeah, because hmm. originally we became Remax Royal City, and then Remax Advantage, and now and now All Points. What's that? I don't know what an All Point is. No. Okay. Yeah, um, Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Welcome. Yeah. So uh, kind of the way this usually goes is we're going to get into our main topic, which is talking all about what you do. Right. Um, but before we jump into that, what's going on, guys? I feel like uh, it's been so long since I've seen you guys. <laughs> well, I'm feeling like maybe I should stop talking about when I go visit the place in Tulamine because I did it okay. again. <laughs> People are going to think you work. I, That's just always I on vacation. Don't, yeah. Well, there was a long weekend, right? It was a long weekend, so I, I it was the two nights over the long weekend, so it was good. But Canada Day. Yeah. It's good Did time. you have your flag out? Yeah. Nice. I put it up at the top of our twelve foot pole off of a hockey stick. It felt very Canadian. Nice. Mm-hmm. Any fireworks? Any festivities? Uh, there were some fireworks late one night, but I didn't see them. Um, it was quiet. I mean, people get really mad about fireworks now because somebody always thinks they're going to start a forest fire. Yeah, I saw in one of the, the Bowen Island Facebook groups, someone's someone's like, oh, someone just lit off fireworks by, by Mount Gardner. And then someone's like, uh, yeah, it was the fire department did it. It was, <laughs> a, cel- it was a celebration of life. Um, it was a cool, celebration cool of life. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. I I had an interesting thing I was I'm kind of working on, although it's it's stalled out a little bit. I've got a buyer who wants to buy a property that's an undivided interest. And uh, man, it's hard to get financing. We've we've gone to the bank. We've gone to a couple mortgage brokers. Uh, credit union seems to be our best yeah. bet. Chris is shaking Chris his is head. Shaking like his head. Run. No chance. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's just so hard to realize on your interest. Totally. Like so, if if you know the the mortgagor defaults, right? How is the bank going to force a sale? Yeah. I, I think how are they going to get an order for sale actually yeah what we're looking at is actually getting a loan against the mortgage of the parents home right 
to, totally to different finance. interest. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they'll the, at law that title yeah. will be clear. Right. Right. Yeah. And so if they default, it won't be them defaulting. It'll be the parents against their property. Yeah, but Which, it's it's complicated and a bit of a mess, and never <laughs> and never ends well for anyone. <laughs> and a lot of times, there aren't they like board approved too for for purchase. They have to kind of sign off on. It makes yeah. things more complicated. It, it it's not. It's structured much. This one is structured much more like a leasehold than a co-op. Okay, for right. whatever that's worth, it it feels very similar to a leasehold property. Hmm. The the where we saw um, it quite successful is at Whistler with a quarter share interest. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. So it's an undivided one quarter share interest. And they have an equitable interest and but there's a le- there's a head lease agreement, a sublease agreement that that manages it. Mm-hmm. And that's what moves people from week to week to week. Right? Yeah. And so the they were lending against that. Um, but the value was in the revenue that could be generated. So mm. yeah. did you um you go away at all this weekend? No. Stay in town, yeah. working? Well, relaxing. Rode my bike. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, after all the knee surgeries, it's like, that's what I do now. I ride. Is that your thing? That's my thing. No more hockey? No more hockey. No. No more hockey. <laughs> Eight knee surgeries and two replacements. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and riding is not too bad on the knee? Like, that's... Well, that's no, low impact, but... Yeah. yeah. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. So I rode Saturday. I rode 50K on Saturday, and then I rode 50 on Monday. So it was a light week for... Well, at light weekend for cycling, but it was good. How far is 50K? Mm. Like, where did you go from to? I left. Habitsford. No. It's an out and back. So out River Road to the Camby Skytrain Bridge and then over the bridge and up Camby through Queen Elizabeth Park and then down Ontario and South Kent and then through Glen Lyon. And how long does that take you? <sighs> an hour and 40 minutes. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. That would take me two days. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's a couple of hills there. That's for all the stops for beers, right? Oh, is that why everyone's getting into cycling? Yeah. We, we had a guest on who was talking about doing a... I can't remember if it was on air or off, so I'm not going to say his name, but it, it was talking about doing cycling... Uh, brewery uh, pub tours. Pub crawls, basically. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. that's very... That, that's quite popular down in Strathcona, where all the breweries are in East right, Van. yeah. And now you're allowed to take your bike on the SkyTrain. You can cycle down. And SkyTrain home. See, that seems more safe. That when they were explaining flash. it to me, I was like, no, I, mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's where all those broken shoulders come from. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah, it's never the fall; it's always the landing. <laughs> all right. Well, I think we've got lots to talk about today, so why don't we get into our main topic? Now you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. You decide your own level of involvement. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. I don't agree to that. Neither do I. Wrong. National debt. Wrong. Wrong. Advocate. Wrong. With that money, wrong. you lost wrong. Very nice words, but happens to be wrong. You're listening to Multiple Offers, a real estate show. So I guess before we get into some of the more detailed parts of the conversation for anybody listening who maybe doesn't know what is a notary well it's interesting um notaries are unique in british columbia um we basically practice land law yeah um in the other provinces um lawyers handle and you know real estate closings in british columbia lawyers and notaries deal with real estate closings right 
Um, Quebec has, you know, French civil law, so they have notaires, which are, you know, they, they do contract law. Mm-hmm. So we do, you know, personal planning documents, wills, powers of attorney, representation agreements, real estate, mortgages, conveyancing. Traditionally, you know, the transfer of title is the conveyance of title. So, Right. And way back, it was it 1983? Yes. Yes. So way back. Thank way you. Back, Feels like yesterday. Way back in 1983. Why did you become a notary? How did that happen? Uh, my father practiced, and you know, he, he he had three businesses. He had a general insurance agency. Um, obviously, you alluded to earlier the Royal City Realty, and he practiced as a notary. And um, you know, I was quite interested in it, and didn't really know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So after I finished uh, UBC, I graduated from BCIT in marketing management, then went back to UBC and studied urban land economics, and I decided I'd give that a shot. So that's what I did. Are there yeah. like prerequisites for like, how do you, well, the, how does one say, I'm going to do this? Um, well, it's interesting that the notary society up until 12 years ago ran their own education program through UBC. It's a self-regulating, uh, self-governed or self-regulating body. Um, and 12 years ago, um, they um, co-opt with Simon Fraser University and now it's a Master's of Applied Law, hmm. and it's a two-year program. And then up until two years ago, and it's interesting, I'm, I sit on the Board of Examiners. I was appointed by the Attorney General. Um, you have to sit statutory exams, so there were six three-hour statutory exams that you wrote in three days. Wow. That is a lot. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I've written university exams. That is a lot to pack in in three days. Yeah, no, they you write two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon, three days in a row. Wow. Yeah. I and, did. I had no idea. <laughs> well, yeah, and, that, and now you do. That's almost and, as and hard well, as getting your real estate license. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's you know, it was good. I got to practice with my dad for a year. He got, he became ill and passed away. But you know, it's been a great profession. Yeah. Yeah. What What do you think is the most important part of your job? Like, what if you boiled it down to like, what's the most important thing you do? Well, there's a number of important things, but yeah. I mean, it, it, it. I guess it cuts to what do we do? Um, you know, when it you know as it applies to your profession, um, you know, contractually you have your clients enter into an agreement to purchase a piece of real estate or sell a piece of real estate. And, you know, our job as a notary or as a solicitor is to ensure that the transaction closes, that the client conforms to the terms of the contract. Um, And there's some detail around that. I mean, whether you're acting for a purchaser or a seller and, you know, whatever the terms of the contract are, um, you know, our job is to help shepherd the people through a process that most people are very unfamiliar with. and intimidated by, quite honestly. What's something weird and wacky you see in a contractor? You go, why is this in here and how am I supposed to execute on this? <laughs> oh, um, well, it's, it's a bit technical, but it's quite humorous when um, you want your client to close a transaction on a given date and then bind them to do something like take all their trash away before the possession date, which is 24 hours later. 
Right. So the trash can be piled up in the backyard, you know, the couch and the truck and the the abandoned refrigerator and freezer. And, you know, the, the buyer's obliged to close and the seller's obliged to close. And then there's 24 hours where they get to, like, haul that all away. Yeah. That's always good humor. Like, what guarantee do they have? If you're going to make them do A... Yeah. Then bind them to do B as well. So do you see that when you read these contracts that we write where there's all these guarantees written in, you're like, yeah. how, cause I know I'm like, how do you actually enforce this? Well, we I mean, I, I joke all the time about, yeah. you know, I, and of course nobody in this room would ever do this. Not, but, <laughs> no. Um, but you know, clients come in and they, they present me with a contract for, for closing or review prior to closing and they're bound. They've executed the contract. They're bound by the terms of the contract. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my comment sometimes is, well, the blood's being let. Like, what do you want me to do now? Like, you know, get put it back, it back in. into your body? Yeah. Like, it's not going to happen. Like, what's an example? I'm, I'm having a hard time picturing what, you're, what you mean. Well, the practicality of the terms of the contract yeah. sometimes humor me. It's like, you know, like removing, you know, a week's worth of garbage in a day. Right. That's yeah. just... <laughs> and so, you know, it's nice when they say there'll be a holdback I mean, it's never nice to have a hold back, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's be real for a minute. Um, you know, you know. I always love the buyer, solicitor, or notary will hold back $2,000 in an interest-bearing account mm-hmm. for six months. Well, the cost of creating the interest-bearing account <laughs> far outstrips <laughs> the $2.56 that they're going to earn. Right. Um, <laughs> So you see a lot of people just going rogue with their contracts and yeah, you're just like, well, it's like like they think it's a great idea until the, you know, the implementation of it. Mm. What's the thing you see most often that a realtor has put in a contract that just annoys the crap out of you? Uh, Well, if there's a dispute between the parties, they want to, they want the contract to be firm, but they want, you know, the, the lawyer or notary acting for the parties to, to, you know, deal with the dispute and it can be any number of things but yeah that's never a good thing it should all be dealt with up front yeah we deal with like the i mean i don't i don't use holdbacks very often um maybe a few times a year if that but uh for like special levies it can get a bit uh, but 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 that it's just a factual piece right like so you know if there's fear of a special levy and there's a holdback it's like there's an end date to the contract, there has to be like a start and end to it. So yeah. it's like, you know, I'm dealing with one today. It's July 1st was the, you know, drop dead date on a $5,000 holdback. Right. And so you just contact the management company. Has there been a holdback? Yes or no? No? Great. It's released. Yes. It's paid to the strata. So in that case, you, that's it not has, what you're talking. Like that is, that's fine as far as you're yeah, concerned? For, but, yeah, but, but, it, but it has to be clear. Right. It has to be very, the terms of that have to be very clear. Right. And it's when they're ambiguous, it's... Realtors never, who are pretending to be lawyers. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, you know, as I say, it's they're hard fixes after the fact. Yeah. And, you know, the practicality of it is, um, you know, how much does that cost later? Right. And, and, and to you guys, you know, um, you know, there's that residual uh, animosity if it's not smooth. Towards you. Towards you. No, towards us. Yeah. Oh, you mean that the client has residual animosity? animosity. Yeah. Simply yeah, we, because we they were the like, contract. you know, I yeah. I relied on my realtor to make this, to protect me. 
Yeah. Right. And vicariously, that's our job. Like you say, what do we do? Well, we protect the client. We make sure that you, we are providing our client with good marketable title. If you're acting for the purchaser, that's the term at law, good marketable title. Yeah. I I had a, um, and it wasn't a notary, it was a lawyer, but we wrote a holdback clause into our contract. They were having, the AGM was a month before closing for our listeners who don't know, annual general meeting is what AGM stands for. And they were voting on, uh, I think it was the roof, I can't remember what it was. And we, we wrote in, Hold back five thousand dollars from the uh, from the sale based on this um, assessment coming up. Right, and then the lawyer missed it and didn't didn't hold back the uh, the money and and called me and reamed me out saying, "Oh, my client said there's this hold back. There was no hold back in the contract." And I panicked. I went back and it was totally there. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. It, uh, but it was such a nightmare. And I mean, the client was mad but, at everybody. But, you know, at the end of the day, the, you know, the formal terms of the contract don't merge on completion. So if the seller agreed to the holdback, yeah. they're still bound by that. Yeah. Right? It's just collecting the funds. Yeah. It's just get so it, much it's, it, it's like, getting it. It yeah, is. And, that, and that's the thing that, yeah. you know, that, that you want to be clear chance. and you want to communicate clearly. Like, you yeah. know, when when there is a holdback or when there's something that's, you know, out of the ordinary in a real estate closing, communicate clearly to all the parties. Yeah. 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 When, as far as like getting those funds, I say to people that they try to understand some people, very few say, well, why do I need a notary or a lawyer? I mean, we're just, I give them the uh, money, they give me the house, right? right. And I, and I, to, to put it in the do simplest terms. people say terms, that? <laughs> well, all right. But to put but, it in the simplest terms, I tell people like, well, your lawyer notary, let's just say like hypothetically, they put the title up here in this sort of middle ground, this middle territory. And then the, the other side puts the money up here in this middle neutral territory. Right. We can talk about that. And then they that flip really it. Works. <laughs> yeah, they do. And, it, and, yeah. and, and it's interesting because the two areas I practice in obviously are real estate and wills and estates. I still need to finish that. With yeah, you, you do. <laughs> <laughs> you're 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 on my floor. Your file's on my floor. Um, and we'll talk about that in a minute too, yeah, if you'd like. Sure, um, please do. <laughs> um, but you know, Matt, to your point, um, one of my mentors used to say to his clients, which I thought, well, I've I've stolen his line, so I can't take credit for it. But you know, when it comes to people saying, well, can I do my own will? I go, his line was, well, sure. And you can take your own appendix out too, if you want, but we don't recommend <laughs> that either. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, there's, uh, there's an app for that. <laughs> yeah. So obviously what we're saying is there's, there's so, so much importance to getting the contract, right? Getting that, the terms figured out on that day. And you're given such a small window of time to figure Gen- this out. Generally we are. And it's interesting because when I would, you, you know, I was asked by Jeff, if I'd like to sit and, you know, talk, I was like thrilled, but, um, you know, I was thinking, okay, well, how do I simplify it for the average person to hear? And I get, get it quite often when the clients come in, um, Lawyers and notaries exchange, and we're the only profession that can do this, they're called trust undertakings. So basically they're a promise, and I can professionally give you a lawyer or a notary my promise that if A happens, B will happen. Yeah, if you deliver mm-hmm. on your end, I'll deliver on mine. Right, end. and you know, it's, you know when, when the clients come in, and, and this is a common misconception, they come in for their closing if they're selling a piece of real estate, and the contract makes provision that the seller, if there's a mortgage on title, will provide clear title. Right. 
And if they have a mortgage for three or $400,000, they don't generally have that much money kicking around in their jeans. So the contract, the standard you know, contract, allows that the sale proceeds can be used to clear the title. And right. that's where you need to be represented. And so they'll come in and sign the transfer, the Form A transfer, which is like a loaded gun basically to transfer title to the new owner. And they'll mm-hmm. go, can I have my check now? <laughs> and it's like, well, no, actually what happens is we provide the Form A transfer to the lawyer or notary acting for the buyer on their undertaking not to deal with it unless they're in a position to give us the money. Right. And then the power shift. See, they get, they get all their clients' money, they get the title, and they have an executed mortgage if the, buyer, the new buyer is getting a mortgage. And then with the torn system of registration in British Columbia, the Land Title and Survey Authority, under that, it's instantaneous. The minutes it's registered, it's made whole. Yeah. And so then the money comes to the seller's lawyer, on their, then the power shifts, and it's on their undertaking to very first clear off the charge from title. Right. And that's the process in a nutshell. One thing I always talk about with clients when discussing the, the process of working with a lawyer or a notary is it's one of those weird professions where... Weird? It, yeah, yeah, weird. In, in the sense that, like... If I do a really good job for my client, they generally know what a good job I've done. Like they, they, they get a full sense of, okay, he went and he did this and he was marketing it here. Like they can kind yes. of see all the moving the parts. results yes. are there. Where, yeah. where something I often it's say, very visual, yes. say when, when I'm talking to a, a client when they're hiring them is, you know, the good lawyers and notaries, their job is to take away your stress. Absolutely. And you will feel like they're not doing a whole lot because... They're not bringing you all of the insanity. Whereas when you get a bad notary, oh. that's when you feel it. Like I, I had one a few years ago where it. Oh. He missed the whole back. <laughs> well, no. Uh, th- this one, uh, it wasn't till 4.30 on the day of closing that we got a call from the notary saying, I don't have the deposit money. And we're like, what are you talking about? So I went to our conveyancer at our office and she went through her files and she's like, I sent it weeks ago. And... This idiot had moved offices, not forwarded his mailing address, and then didn't decide to check his file until half an hour before land titles <laughs> closes. <laughs> like, and sure enough, when we called him back, he's like, oh, well, I'll call. Like he was in a mall, which maybe is a, a hint right there. <laughs> red, red flag. But he's like, he walked over to his old office, and sure enough. In Walmart? It was, che- it was there. Uh, I believe it was Lowheed Mall. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah he, he walked over there, and sure enough, it's there. Like, right. everything. And, you know, I mean, the amount of stress he brought on to the client. We do not want, we do not want, like, you know, again, it sounds trite, but. You only hear about the bad ones, the train wrecks, totally. right? Yeah. We just want it to be like, you know, smooth for the client. What What do you see, like when you're looking at uh, other notaries, what, what separates a good notary from a bad notary in your eyes? Um, hmm. Can, can he say that? Can he? Yeah, no, no. It's, it's interesting <laughs> well, he doesn't have to say, no, you know, no, like no, this, no, this have, guy down the street. We have certain <laughs> canons we follow, right? That, you know, yeah. We, yeah. Um, I think that, you know, the good notaries and lawyers communicate very clearly, both with mm. their client, you yeah. know, with the financial institutions, if they're dealing with those, you know, with all of the um, stakeholders. 
Right. Right. So, you know, if you review the contract and there's an issue, you go back to the realtor and you go, can you clarify this? Right. If we're registering a mortgage, you know, we have open communication with the lender and we're, we're saying to them, like, you know, you need to tell us, you know, you're asking for this right. piece of information. Uh, the, you know, there's a condition to funding. Can you clarify that? Open communication with the client. In my office, the initial contact with the client is always with me. So mm. if one of you guys refers a client to me, um, you know, they call. The staff don't, the staff will say, you know, Chris will talk. Chris will call you back. And right. I, I always have the initial contact. I want them to have an expectation of, you know, this is what it's going to cost. This is what the process is. And I kind of want to ease their anxiety if they have any and get a sense of who they are. Oh, that's something that bugs me too. You just reminded me of something. Oh, great. It, and this this is not you. You you do a fantastic job at this. Well, thanks. Um, here, here, let me, me get my wallet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I mean, I, I... I understand. I, no... no uh, Full transparency, you are the notary I use personally, and um, and I'm, I'm happy to recommend you to clients. Thank I you. Um, hate when a notary or a lawyer quotes a price, and then the final price has all of these hidden costs. Right. And that happens that's, all the time. Well, and it's a pet peeve for me too, Jeff. Like, yeah. I mean, I, and that's one of the reasons why I, I it, it's an education process to me. Yeah. You know, when you talk about what, what distinguishes a good notary or lawyer from a less than good notary or lawyer. I think a lot of it is open, clear, right. transparent communication. And it's an education process for me. I mean, you know, I do this every day. It's what I do for a living. Most people buy and sell a house every 10 years. You know, I, I mean, I think statistically, you know, 30 years ago, it was about every five years people moved up and down in the market. But now, you know, with the added cost, property transfer tax, um, you know, commissions, moving costs, those sorts of things. People are more reticent to, yeah. you know, move, you know. Um, so, you know, I'm very clear in my communication with clients about the costs, you yeah. know, and how I break it down to them. So they understand. So, you know, I think people today with, you know, access to information, social media, um, you know, it's quite fascinating how educated they are, yet right. they don't understand the finite details of it. Yeah. yeah, as far as communication, one thing I'll add, and I don't think this lands in your office at all, but something that happens a lot, so our listeners should hear this and understand the nuance. We get this call often about two weeks before completion, within two weeks, that says, hey, Matt, um, and this is our client, our buyer, this, or the seller, and they say, we're really upset because we talked to our, our notary, and they said, you haven't sent any of the files over yet, any of the documents. You haven't done anything. I thought you were going to do this. I trusted you. And then, so we're panicking, we're going, what went wrong? And we say, well, let me look into it. And we get off the phone, go to our conveyance department within our Remax office. Right. And they say, we sent everything months ago. Yeah. And the miscommunication is the documents haven't been sent by the representative, the notary representing the buyer to the notary right. representing right. the seller. And that's completely out of our hands. Right. But the communication from the seller's yeah. notary is documents haven't been sent Realtor's fault. Well, but th let's <laughs> define what documents are. So, uh, you know, you you want to know about the process. Well, the process is like, as I explain to clients, imagine that a real estate transaction is like a train. So you're driving the train because you're the purchaser or you're driving the train because you're the seller. The notary or lawyer is basically at the end. They're the caboose, right? And the process along the way is an accepted offer 
if there's financing, you get your financing. And then the lawyer or notary sets off on this journey of discovery, basically, right? It's due diligence discovery. So if you're a purchaser, obviously we want to make sure the title is what it looks like and what needs to be done in order to get good marketable title. Searches for taxes, searches for insurance. You know, if it's a strata, we go to the strata corporation and make inquiry. And all of that takes time, right? So time is money in our profession. And so less time, more money. And if you're acting for a seller, the buyer's lawyer is driving a lot of that process. Yeah, they prepare the majority they do, of, of the closing yeah. documents. And that's why generally it's more expensive to act for a purchaser than it is for a seller. Right. But the risk sits with the seller as well. Like both sides of the transaction have a certain amount of risk. And so you, you, to, to Matt's comment about, well, we didn't get documents, there's a set of documents that comes from the real estate office saying, this is a sales record sheet, as we used to call it. Right. You know, and so that is an overview of what the transaction looks like, the commission that's due, the closing date, all the pertinent information, and then a copy of the contract to be reviewed. The buyer's lawyer uses all of that to garner the closing documents, which are, you know, the transfer, the GST document, the citizenship document, the statement of adjustments. The seller's lawyer is responsible to get all the information about what needs to be removed from title. Right. And you can't, as a seller, you're at the mercy of the buyer's lawyer or notary. And so depending on how busy it is and what type of time frames involved, sometimes those documents are tendered two or three days before closing. Yeah, and but the and, responsibility there came from the buyer's lawyer, notary or lawyer, lawyer. Yeah. not the real estate agent. If the no. real estate agent followed through but, a month earlier, but, but you guys the are the point of contact, right? So for a lot of clients, you're like the go-to, and you've built a relationship with, especially with a vendor. You know, you, you know, you've worked to get their trust. You know, you list the property, you walk them through the process, and we talked earlier off the air about stress. And, yeah. you know, everybody who's gone to university takes a psychology course, and I just slept through it and then realized <laughs> it was probably one of the most important things that I needed to pay attention to in my profession because clients are under an enormous amount of anxiety and stress, right? It's, uh, it's one of the biggest transactions of yeah, their lives. I'd say for our listeners, then, the biggest learning is this communication, that first point of contact. Like you said, you personally get in touch with them. If, oh, yes. if the listener is saying, who should I hire in this process, if that initial process feels like good communication, you should have a good feeling that it should go smooth the rest of the way. Right. Is, is kind of what I'm getting at versus these surprises along the way or these little train derailments where it's like, oh, you know, this stuff's not in this boxcar and it's all confused, right? right? That's, that's what we want the listeners to hear is you have choice early on and try to try to get a good professional who you know will drive the ship in a smooth fashion, right? Well, and, and, and who specializes in that. And I think that, you know, in a lot of cases, you know, and, you know, notaries have a very narrow scope of practice. Yeah. So it's like real estate, you know, contracts, mortgages, and wills and personal planning documents. And so those that practice actively do a lot of it. And it's like any other skill. Yeah. The more you do it, the better you get at it. Repetition, and you can right? And you look at, you know, this is going to be a problem. The, the biggest takeaway I got from everything you just said is that I'm going to start referring to you as the caboose. Uh, <laughs> Chris the caboose Dupuis. Yeah. Um, I really want to... Does my caboose look fat in these pants? Yeah. So, Thanks. 
I, a lot of our listeners, I think, fall into the 30 to 40-year-old category. And if you're listening and you don't, I, I apologize. But I think that's probably the most common demographic. Um, and I want to ask how that applies to wills. But before we do that, I don't, Jeremy, you had some questions around tax. Well, I was going to say, I mean, it's kind of in the vein of, you know, it's a stressful, uh, oh. it's a stressful thing. This whole buying and selling of real estate, um, big decisions, uh, surprises are never fun. We try and mitigate that. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of new taxes and things going on. Uh, dealing with the sort, the double dipping of CRA on new construction, resale, right, and and getting GST twice. Yeah, these are some surprises that are happening, and you know maybe some agents aren't catching it or not educating their 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 buyers, and then you get it on your end. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's it stops with us, right? It stops um, with us. Anything uh, anything you want to talk about? I mean, in terms of well, the GST, I think the, the vacancy taxes, uh, new challenges that you guys have had lately. The, well, the foreign buyer tax is twenty percent. I mean, that, that, yeah. that puts kind of a halt on a lot of. Like I mean, you know, there's people that are that are caught up in that that you know unintended consequences. We talk about that all the time, right? Um, but you know, it's just the provincial government's take on how they want to manage the real estate market in the Lower Mainland. I think it's more a political, you know, it, observation than it is. The foreign buyer is. tax, the one you're running into the most, like that you're dealing with. Well, not so much in New Westminster, but I think that you know some of my contemporaries that practice in Vancouver are seeing it. Right. Um, you know, and the threshold now for property transfer tax, I mean, the 30 to 40 year old first time buyer, you know, if they're in that, you know, entry level condominium that's $500,000 or less, as long as they're a Canadian or a landed immigrant lived in BC for the last year, never owned a principal residence, they're exempted from the tax. You know, it, it sloughs off from 500 to $550,000 of the purchase price and totally disappears at 550. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, this that education piece. What value do you bring to the transaction? I mean, you know, you guys are pretty good in this room about front end loading that, right? So, you know, my my. You do know, you encounter a lot of clients who are surprised by the taxes they're paying, or are they usually pretty educated um, by the time? You know, for the you? most part, you know, as I say, there's a lot that don't. They're just like, you know, I just want to close this transaction. They arrive at the finish line. It's like, okay, well, you've got an eight thousand dollar bill. They're a bit shocked by that. Yeah. Um, and you know, again, you know, we get back to like communication, you know, you're laughing at me because when I started my practice, none of you were born or if you were, you were like, I was two. Okay. You were two. (laughs) Depends. Um, What month did you start? (laughs) (laughs) June. I was not born. Um, so, you know, it's interesting because the evolution of, you know, communication, Mm -hmm. right? So email. Um, what we've adopted is as soon as we have current information, we'll send a copy of the statement of adjustments to the client and let them like consume that information. Oh, interesting. And then that's when they, nice. That sounds very yeah, helpful. So, <laughs> yeah. No, no. So when they arrive, you know, they've been presented with, right. you know, this is how much money you're going to need and this is how, and for the listeners that don't understand what a statement of adjustments is, it's a, it's a full accounting of their transaction. And so you know, part of their anxiety is lessened because they're, if once they receive it, when they look at it, they'll usually call and say, well, can you explain this or can you right. explain that? Um, you know, I think one of the biggest misconceptions about purchasing a piece of real estate is property tax adjustments because they're due in July. You know, mm-hmm. they're just due today, 
basically, in the city yeah. of Westminster, but they run on the calendar year. And so depending on when they close in the year, they've either got to come up with money or they get a credit on their statement of adjustments and then they've got to pay the bill in July. So, you know, that can sometimes be a shock because, I mean, you guys see it with first-time buyers. I mean, some of them are just getting in. Right. Like, you know, and so, you know, money's tight. Yeah, every dollar on the ledger is meaningful it to is, that purchaser. Actually. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, it's just... You know, they're factual, right? This is what it is, you know. So I'm curious to take five minutes to talk about wills and estate planning. Okay, um, sure. Because, I'd, I'd love to, yeah. You know, I think a lot of us, our listeners, again, being in their 30s are at that phase where they're writing their first will. Right. Can, can you imagine someone in their 30s not having a will? <laughs> just, it's well, just it's irresponsible. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you've got children. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, you know, <laughs> it's interesting because, you know, everybody's like, numbers-driven statistics, right? 68% of the population that need a will don't have one. Really? Yeah. Okay. Right. And it's about self-determination because, you know, dead people don't talk. <laughs> I'm going to be in so much trouble when my wife listens to this episode. She thought you had already signed and executed. No, she knows, but she... she oh, don't she, make it public. She knowledge. was kind of... Me- no, no, not that. It, like, I feel like she was on me about it and... I was like, yes, I will do it. And then a whole bunch of, this is what happens, right? Oh, Just yeah. stuff, life gets in the way. There was a whole bunch of yeah, stuff. I haven't died, so why do yeah, I need Like it? we got halfway through. Because you're we, going to die, Matt. <laughs> we, and we, I'll, I'll give you a money back guarantee. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember what we have left to do because we came and met with you. Yeah, we, a year we, ago. We, we, well, no, it was you, like two no, years no, no, ago. No, no, hang on a second. <laughs> I think you wanted to leave your children to me. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not really good with that. Just our favorite child. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just your problem, child. What's what's the number one thing a young person should be paying attention to in in a question you need to ask them in preparing their will that they're probably not expecting? Wow. Well, I mean, you know, I, I I'll go back to you know people's perception of you know what we do for a living. Um, how much is it for a simple will? Well, nothing is simple. Your life mm. is complex, right? And so what's important to you, Matt, might not be important to Jeremy or to Jeff, right? So it's different for everybody what the most important thing is. You have children. Um, who is going to look after the, the children and who's going to look after the money? That's where we got stalled. <laughs> now I remember. That was totally the working out. But different people. But I can't be the same was, person. Was, but, I, but I have a couple of famous lines that I use with people. Yeah. Um, I'll give you a money back guarantee. I'll do your will. You pay me. If you don't die, come back. I'll give you your money back. Nobody's ever come back. Um, do you need one? Yeah, for sure. If you have an asset, if you have children, it's about self-determination. Yeah. yeah. I think what a lot of people don't know is that by default, if you don't have a will and you have kids, they don't just run to your closest family member, the no. kids. It starts, they first take government housing. They go under the care of the government. Well, the, yeah. As, I mean, your kids te- go into it, it, the kids as the simplest terms. I te- mean, I'm, technically I'm or legally, but you know you are because you know generally one of the grandparents or a sibling would take them in. But the process to have you know legal guardianship of the children is very complex. And you know it's interesting because the two the there's the, the, the trifecta I call it of of personal planning is a will because mm-hmm. it's guarantee you're going to die, power of attorney and a representation agreement healthcare directive. And you can do that yourself, you know. You can go online and and Google my voice, which is the provincial government's, you know, self-help and it and they want access to justice. And you know, a lot of people are like, well, I'm young, so you know, nothing's going to happen. Is and, the, the the healthcare directive is the explanation of what 
happens if I like whether you pull the plug or not? What, yeah, what, what well, is that's that? part of <laughs> yeah. it, but it's it's appointing somebody to do that for you. So yeah. you know, married, y- your your spouse is considered a temporary decision maker. Okay. So if you have a catastrophic event, you can't advocate for yourself. You you end up in a in the hospital. The 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 um, medical professionals will consider your spouse to as long you know provided you're not estranged. Yeah. Right. Um, they consider a temporary decision maker. If you draft a representation agreement, healthcare directive, a section nine, you formalize that. So they're they're made your representative, but only in the event you can't advocate for yourself. Right. Power of attorney is extremely important. And, um, you know, a lot of people are like, well, I'm young, so I'm not so worried about that. Powers of attorney are extremely important because in the absence of a power of attorney, if you have a catastrophic event, you cannot advocate for yourself from a legal or financial standpoint. You know, your spouse or the closest family member is forced to get a, uh, a comiteeship order. And that's basically... Uh, in simple terms, two doctors declaring that you can't take care of your, your own affairs. And then there's a court appearance. Um, and in almost all instances, the Office of the Public Guardian and Trustee, which is the provincial, the arm of the provincial government, will interplead. And they will say, whoever is appointed committee will have to give an accounting either every 12, 24, or 36 months. That's complicated. Well, and it's not, you know, Matt, it's, it, it is complicated. And, you know... I've had exposure to people who are appointed committee for, you know, family members. Um, but it's the expense, Ooh, you know, right. $10,000, $10,000 or $15,000 would not be considered, you know, the, low the ordinary. Right? Yeah. Um, okay. Two minutes. Last question, at least for me, um, still on wills and estates, okay. thinking that a lot of people maybe wrote them when they were younger. Right. And now they're 60, 65, 70 years old. Is there something they should be considering or people like me should be like, hey, dad, maybe you should uh, check out the will because it's 25 years old. Something that's out of date or out of line with their state of life. Well, you know, the, the, the Wills Estate Successions Act is fairly new law, 2012. Mm. Um, but... How has your life changed, right? You know, do you still, is the person that you've named as executor of your estate and trustee of your estate, is that still applicable, right? You want somebody that's your age or younger. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, no, I mean, you're laughing, but it's the truth, right? And, you know, uh, an instance in my office this last week, a client came in and they wanted me to review their will. and, And I looked at, you know, their children were like, seven and 10 when they did their will and their children are now like 35 and mm-hmm. you know 39 or 38 and the the husband had named his older brother and at the time that was applicable but the older brother is now 75 years old right and you know people say oh it's an honor i'm named executor well no it's a huge job yeah. and a huge responsibility <laughs> yeah. right and so you know, one of the children lives out of the country and the other child lives, you know, here, but would not be who they should choose to be their executor and trustee. So I sent them away to think about who that should be. You know, somebody who's geographically desirable. Right. Right. So, you know, there's a lot of considerations. So to answer your question, Matt, which I've kind of skirted, you know, what's the most important thing? It depends who it is and, and what they need, right? And, and it's, you know, there's not one size fits all. It's, you know, custom to, you know, who you are and what you are. Excellent. Thank you. We have one more minute for any last words, Jeremy or Jeff. I got all my questions in. Ha. Do you, you have to go at, at 
10 to 10. 10, 10 to 10, 10 yeah. 30 seconds. Okay, well, unless there's anything <laughs> else counting? you wanted to <laughs> no. chat about, thank you very much for no, coming thank you for having show, me. Yeah, Chris. it was great. It yeah. went quite quickly, actually. Yeah, and if, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, uh, what's the best way to find you on the internet? Uh, well, you can email me, chris at cwdepuy.com. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, thank you. Um, and email me directly or call the office at 604-526-5533. That'd awesome. be great. Well, yeah. thank you very much. And if, if you guys want to get a hold of Matt or Jer, they are at thenewwestguys.com. If you want to reach me, Jeff, I'm at realestatenewwest.com. Thank you very much. <laughs>